Welcome to Living in This Queer Body, a podcast about barriers to embodiment and how our collective body stories can bring us back to ourselves. I'm Asher Panjuris, and today I have an interview with the lovely and powerful Allie Simon. But first, I have a few announcements. The very first Kintsugi Therapist Collective Embodied Private Practice Cohort is full. Onyx and I are really excited to facilitate this virtual community that really offers embodied care, support, wisdom, and resources to trans and non-binary, BIPOC, chronically ill, and disabled mental health providers. You can check out our website or Instagram to meet all our fabulous cohort members, some of whom are already accepting uh, new clients in their practices. I will provide links in the show notes to all things related to this episode, including links to KTC. We are already actually enrolling for an additional cohort that will begin in September. Um, We've received quite a few applications. So if you're interested, I would consider submitting an application sooner rather than later. Also, Onyx and I are presenting at the Abundance Living Conference for Therapists with Chronic Illness and Health Challenges. This is a virtual conference that will be held from April 8th through the 10th. We're presenting on the 9th. And there's actually continuing education credits um, offered as well. So if you're interested in registering, you can use the code KINSUGI25, all caps KINSUGI25, for a discount. Okay, so I think that's all for now. On to my guest. So I approached Ali for this interview as a fan (laughs) and really loved meditating with her during the pandemic. So I was really thrilled to um, to get to know her a bit more, especially because we'd been sort of together and not together, um, meditating virtually for a year or more. Um, so it was really an honor to to get to know her and talk to her. During the interview, we talked about what it was like for Allie to be a queer, larger-bodied person of color in the wellness industry, endometriosis, her relationship with a queer femme identity as someone who grew up as a tomboy, and how a meditation practice helped her navigate significant traumatic loss and much more. Ali Simon is a certified yoga and meditation facilitator from Los Angeles. She commits her energy to working with nonprofits dedicated to systems of change and community wellness. What began as a personal journey to heal from loss and trauma led to sharing her practice with loved ones and eventually throughout her community. 
She believes in increasing access to self-care practices and community-based initiatives by using tools like meditation and yoga to help foster a more connected and loving world. Allie is the well-being and healing justice manager for Social Justice Partners LA. She currently facilitates meditation on OPEN, a mindfulness platform, and with local LA community spaces like the Underground Museum and Compound. Her story was featured for Athleta Home Again and recently shared a four-part wellness module for the recently launched Adidas community platform. So you can connect with Allie at Allie Simon, that's A-L-L-I Simon.com. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, so Ali, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast today. Thanks for inviting me. Well, I will let folks know in the um, introduction, but part of the reason I reached out to you is because um, I love your guided meditations and um, something about your presence and uh, the way you lead the guided meditations. And we can talk a little bit more about that in a bit, but I just, yeah, I kind of am really happy to be talking to you, especially because I've, I've been meditating with you for a while, even though you didn't know that. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, it's, it's one of those, uh, pandemic pandemic connections that feels yeah. really nice. So, oh, um, that means so much. Thank you for uh, saying that. Yeah, it really, really yeah. does. Yeah. Um, I've had several people say that over the last year, couple of years, oh, and it's really like, it's very, yeah, it's amazing to hear. It's strange. It's like we were together, but we weren't, but we're, we were together, you know, <laughs> like we're navigating this, <laughs> this time um, the best we could. So I guess I usually start my interviews um, asking folks and you can kind of go wherever you'd like with this, but asking folks to talk about their first experience of either kind of being in a body, their, their first memory of that, or their, you know, your first memory of, of kind of being told or witnessing what it meant to be in a body. Mm. Oh, that's such a, a great question. Like my mind goes into so many different areas when I think about that, because of mm. course, for me, like noticing my body or being, or just being connected to my body in some ways has, has come very differently each time. Um, but I would say the first time it takes me back to thinking about, I think I was like in the fourth grade, um, quite young, but I knew there were a lot of changes that were happening physically with my body. Um, and because I was a little bit of, I guess what they considered back then, uh, I guess a tomboy. So I guess they still use that term. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I just, just felt I started feeling different, you know. I always played with the, the little boys in my neighborhood, and those were those were my best friends. And I started noticing that I was different all of a sudden. And 
you know, my mom had all of these different like things she was telling me I had to make sure that I do that, um, that little girls do. And I just, I remember just, yeah, I had a, a, a strong, um, dislike to that. I think mm-hmm. I started noticing, you know, things were forming differently. You know, my breasts started growing and, um, my, my peers at the time started noticing and I, it really, um, it threw me off. I would say that it threw mm-hmm. me off um, because, you know, I started thinking that our feeling that I was different um, in that moment. And I think that was kind of the start uh, for me in that of noticing. And even, yeah, I would even say that that's when I think back now, thinking like um, there was, there became a disconnect between certain things, but also a deep connection in some ways. So, yeah, mm. I would say that's that's that was my first memory of that. I guess, you know, what the thought that popped into my head after you s- said that you felt more in some ways, there is a disconnect that started to develop. And I'm I'm curious about that, especially as a kind of um, mindfulness teacher, um, curious about that uh, now. But uh, or how you would think about that now. But I also, I guess I'm hearing that partly you were experiencing discomfort in your body that sort of alerted you to like a connection to your body in a way. Um, I don't know if that's exactly what, what you were getting at, but it's sort of like a, just an awareness of um, discomfort. And yeah. I would say absolutely what you're saying is that that very thing, I think uh, immediately, of course, from then on, I didn't know. But um, so I went through like my younger years and high school and things like that, just always kind of feeling a little different. Um, you know, mm-hmm. even when I you know, when I, uh, I guess, became I don't want to say became queer because I felt like I was always queer. <laughs> but once I actually verbally like admitted that I was queer to myself. Um, still things still didn't make sense. Like I still felt there was a disconnect between, uh, this presentation that I had, um, this very curvaceous, like breasts and all of these things, um, then with how I felt internally, you know, so I was always just kind of feeling a little, um, unsure, you know, I went back and forth between wanting to dress very feminine, but then, Mm -hmm also feeling like my clothes were like, I played basketball as well. So that mm-hmm. I felt comfortable and the more baggy clothes, things that just didn't like, you know, accentuate all of these other parts of myself. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until I got into um, kind of like my twenties. I, I, so I went through that for a long time. I would even have moments where I would um, get so frustrated because I was like, I, I noticed that I wasn't embracing my physical body so i would get rid of all of the clothes in my closet that were baggy or anything like that um or mm-hmm. that were um quote unquote men's clothes or whatever mm-hmm. and in hopes that i would kind of embrace my body a little bit more and in the ways that society told me that i needed to right mm. um, <laughs> which was with more feminine clothes i guess mm-hmm. um and it wasn't until like my 20s when i started kind of really getting connected to my physical body through through yoga and mindfulness um, did I start to understand that 
that I didn't have to choose, you know, mm. I didn't have to choose different ways to help myself feel comfortable. And I think, so I struggled with that for, I think most, well, clearly, as you see, most of my life um, until, you know, those parts of my practice that helped me to identify with, you know, where I was and what felt right. And, and then I also like this, you know, I also got connected to the, the, the term femme and what that meant as, you know, in the queer community, be femme, meaning that I could show up as any way that I felt. Um, in that mm. moment, that's what that, that spoke to me as, you know, so, um, so yeah, so what you were, what you were sensing mm-hmm. in terms of this connection was definitely there until, mm. you know, I found my practice that helped lead me to my, my body in some ways mm. and built the connection more so now. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious how you, like, what was it about, I really want to get to kind of what helped you just, you know, kind of discover these or look into these practices. But I also am curious about who or what kind of introduced you to the notion of like differentiation, like femme, you know, or what what those things meant that you didn't know yet. Mm. Oh my goodness. That's so I'm like going back, I'm like, who did? There were just so many people in my community at the time. Um, I would say it's a couple of close friends and as the identity started moving around, like I, I knew it like in my earlier twenties when I was like going out, but it like femme had a different meaning. It meant like these like lipstick lesbians at that mm-hmm. time. And it meant that femme was, you know, not masculine and you wore heels and you do all this stuff. That's what I knew it to be for a yep. very long time until later in my twenties, when I understood that femme meant so much more than that. It Mm. was that, yes, and it could be that, and it could be beautiful in that. And it could also mean that I feel connected to my, to who I am and that could be femme as well. And I could dress masculine, I can dress quote unquote feminine. I can do all of the things and mix things around and feel really good in, in my body and in my dress and in my, and how I moved every day in life. Um, but I would say it's the community that I was around. Um, I ended up joining being a part of a, a, of a collective as well. That was really talking about a lot of that stuff in LA. And I had a partner at the time who was really, um, really connected to that world. And it helped me to feel seen, honestly, Mm -hmm. in so many ways. And I didn't even realize that I was looking for, um, until I found it. Yeah. (laughs) Felt a part of it. And I felt for once that I didn't have to explain my clothing. I didn't have to explain how I moved or my dress or how I walk a little bit more, more of like a, a little swagger walk, I guess you could say <laughs> um, in my, you know, my tight jeans. I didn't have to explain these things. I could just be me and, and, uh, and feel happy in it. Mm. Yeah, that that explains a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's so, well, I just think those, those stories are so, maybe they're not, they're not helpful for everyone, but for me and a lot of people, I think they're very helpful just to kind of validate that knowing you're queer, knowing inside that you have 
you know, there's sort of like an evolution for everybody around coming into yourself and both finding, you know, like role models or sources of validation that kind of then help you further develop into to kind of a more comfortable version of yourself. And, and I think, um, you know, I often as, as a psychotherapist, you know, working with people in their early twenties, you know, I, I often kind of reflect to them my own stories of, you know, being confused about gender and, um, and just how I was being perceived. And I think that's so potent and painful, (laughs) you know, at that time or at any time, if you haven't kind of figured some of it out and don't have people to kind of mirror back um, something that feels good and helps you feel settled in your, in your body. And so, um, yeah, thank you for sharing that story. So I guess I'm quite curious about what it was that brought you to, you said it kind of sounds like coincided like yoga and a mindfulness practice but what what kind of brought you to that? Uh, Actually, my my mindfulness, my meditation practice started uh, much sooner than my hmm. yoga practice. Mm-hmm. My meditation practice um, definitely it started. I was still in college at the time, but I was I was working for an organization uh, that served LGBTQ people, and I honestly here I was in this organization doing all of this work that I felt was you know meaningful to community but I personally felt like I was overworked I was burnt out I was Mm -hmm. like I can't keep making it here um at the time though I had you know I was surrounded by a bunch of a bunch of older people I was probably one of the younger folks who was working in that with the organization folks kept talking to me about yoga and meditation and most of those folks were white. So I, I came from a community. I was like, I don't know anything about these things and I don't know how to practice. And I don't know what they are. So mm-hmm. you know, they're not, not something I'm familiar with. And, um, but then I started reading up about, um, about meditation a lot. Like it always kind of like stuck out to me for some reason. Mm-hmm. And then I had met a friend, uh, well, it was a friend who's a black woman and she had a meditation practice. And so I would ask her all of these questions like, what does it mean? Like, what do you, what do you do with yeah. it, you know? And then um, it, it kind of prop, uh, like prompted my interests more. And so I started finding books, reading about it. And then something was telling me about, you know, because I was so stressed at work, like to try this practice of like breathing before going in, you know, like taking a couple moments to breathe and to close my eyes and all of that. And so I started doing that when I was driving to work, I would be so like just flustered to get there. And then instead of just getting out of my car and going in, I would sit in my car for a couple of minutes. I would breathe uh, just like the article told me to do. And then I would go and I started noticing a difference. I was like, oh, this feels really good. Right. And then I just kept doing that, not really thinking much about it. It was just like, this is just my thing just to cope. And then at I ended up studying abroad for a little bit my last semester of college and I was in London and because I had a lot of time and I had little money (laughs) and I'm living in Europe at the time I was like I'm just gonna go and find a place to go meditate that is like free maybe Mm. and I actually found one I found this uh, donation-based Buddhist center and so I just started going and we would meditate I would go like once a week and 
we'd meditate for like three hours in the evening. And I didn't know as a beginner, I didn't know that was a long time. I was mm-hmm. like, well, that's, that's what it is. And I just felt so good in it. I just felt like I felt at home in it. Like I, it brought me to this place of helping me to like ease my mind at that time. I had just also found like therapy and things like that, that I just really, I didn't know about, but it, I noticed that I, all of these questions that were in my mind of who am I, what am I doing? What is life? All of these things that were coming up started to feel a little more settled and I stopped questioning so much, I think. Um, And I was able to start kind of living a little bit more. Um, Mm -hmm. That's what I I noticed from that practice. And when I came back home, it just led to me just going in different places, checking out, like just experimenting. I started going to Zen centers. I went to like other organizations, like self-realization fellowship, just trying out what felt right. And so I kept that up, kept that up for several years. Um, And then several years later, I ended up quitting my job. You know, I had, I think I gained all of this resilience in this practice. Mm. I was with, I still went back to this job and I still was like overworked, underpaid, tired, like stressed, all of these things, feeling depleted Um, until one day I decided to leave. And this came after I had experienced like a really significant loss in my life. I lost my sister to a car accident. And at the time I was just really like, what am I doing? I need to be living my life. And I really credit that to my, my meditation practice and therapy that really helped me to, to see that I was, I was not living fully. I was not mm. living where I was with where I wanted to be. And so um, during that time off, <laughs> I got introduced to yoga even though I had tried yoga several times and I was like, it's not for me. My, my, you know, my chubby body can't move in this, these ways. It's not cool. I don't like it. Uh, but because I had more time to focus on my practice and my mental health, I just kept going. I just kept going. Mm. And from then on, it led me to a teacher training. Um, and I started like really connecting to the other parts because I had been sitting in stillness for at that point, probably like six years, five years or so, something like that. But the yoga part, um, the asana part of the practice really began to help me to get into the parts of my body that I think I had been holding so much. Mm. Um, and I was able to let go. So mm. <laughs> I know that's a long-winded answer, but. No, that, I mean, I, you know. Was it. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I guess the thing I wonder, I don't know what you think of all of this, but there's, you know, fast forward to now, you have a bit more of a, an, I mean, you have much more of an established presence. You have, you know, you, you are a meditation teacher and you have interacted, I would imagine from the time that you, you know, kind of said, this isn't for me. Like these are all white people telling me, to meditate, it seems it strikes me that you've you've probably experienced a lot in the like wellness sphere. Um, and one of my interests, um, as someone who's kind of adjacent or part of that um, in some ways, is just hearing the stories of um, 
people who are, yeah, people who are in that world and what it feels like to be a queer person, a person of color. What's that been like for you? Mm. So if I'm if I'm if I'm answering the question right, um, just want to repeat it back to them. What I hear is basically from my time of from then to now that I've kind of kind of come into this wellness industry, and um, what what has it felt like being a like a queer person within this industry? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I'll just start off by saying definitely from that from then to now. The experience has been all over the place. I'll, I'll also start with saying that my attention was never to become a teacher. It was <laughs> never my hope. It was never my vision um, for myself. Um, but it's something that I'm so grateful for. I will say that it's something that I'm very, very honored to be doing. Um, and being a queer person doing this is even more of an honor for me because I think I don't even want to say that there aren't a lot of us because I actually feel like there are there are a lot of us and I feel like in our spirit this work this this work definitely speaks true to how many of us live and I think in the wellness industry sometimes because we live in a society that tends to like <laughs> um tends to not uplift the voices of queer people as much. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it gets erased in all of the noise. Um, and especially thinking about like not only like non-queer folk, like not only like queer folks, but also like larger body folks, you mm -hmm. know, black folks, um, or even other people of color who sometimes get erased in the wellness industry. Um, mm -hmm. I definitely think like underrepresented folks um, in the industry exist. And um, we have been doing this work for centuries, for decades, for as long as history <laughs> exists, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, and so now that I'm in it and, I'm, and I feel it, like I come into contact a lot with I don't know. I think it's it's honestly. I just come in contact with the wellness and I, I, with the wellness parts of wellness that are just like let's stick to this particular thing: the straight, able-bodied, like white, skinny <laughs> bodies, like all of that. And mm -hmm. I, I think I just stand against all of it <laughs> mm -hmm. by being who I am. Honestly, <laughs> by being who I am and the things that I talk about and. I, I often feel that I think folks come to me and they know that like, this is just where I am. And if you're not representing that in some ways that I'm not, I'm just not gonna fuck with it. Oh, I don't, can I cuss on here? Sorry. Mm -hmm. I'm just not gonna fuck with it. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, that just feels like an honor to me because like, I now feel in alignment with a lot of my work. I, mm -hmm. you know, I feel in alignment with, um, the right people um and i feel like i don't necessarily have to i don't have to push a lot of things away because i feel like the right things the right organizations the right brands that they they find me and they ask me to do the things that they know that i'm gonna do <laughs> which mm -hmm. i feel i feel very grateful for mm -hmm. I, I feel, yeah yeah 
I love that. And I think it is inspiring to hear that, you know, you have found that leaning into um, kind of the specificity of who you are and not, I don't know, not trying to erase or mute parts of yourself to fit into something that can be so toxic, I think. Um, It's like being unapologetic in some way, not all the ways, but all the things. Yes. About where I come from, the community that I serve, the, the way that my body looks like just in all the ways I, I didn't, I didn't even notice that, but even thinking now this question that you ask on my body and all of that stuff, it's coming up to me now. Cause I'm like, Oh, it's like almost once I started accepting all of these things about who I am, that I started showing up in a way that, that kind of took away from me trying to fit into anything, which also created a lane of, for myself to show up exactly as I am. Mm. And for the world to see me exactly as I am. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I love hearing that. I'm <laughs> really, I, yeah, I can, it's very inspirational. I think probably for a lot of people listening. Uh, and it's, and, and I think that, you know, as someone who doesn't have as much of a, a, a more newly developed, slightly more newly developed um, mindfulness practice, um, that comes and goes and has been coming more lately. Um, I think that I can just, I can hear how the practice itself is something that, that does ultimately, you know, encourage that, right. Encourage this sort of being with. Um, But I think that a lot of, I mean, this is me, this is my opinion and I've, you know, you can weigh in whatever you think about it, but, you know, I think that there are a lot of, let's just say that the goals of mindfulness tend to, or have been like the discourses around it have been about like optimizing the self, um, and kind of changing or altering, um, the self in a way and, you know, becoming more productive and becoming a better person. And I, but, you know, some of that stuff does happen, but I think I love the way you're saying that, you know, you along the way started to really lean into these parts of who the specificity of who you are. And that, that was the path, um, towards, kind of feeling more alignment um, and actually more opportunities that felt good for you in your life. Absolutely. I think that's exactly where like you put, you hit the nail on the head with that. I think so many people come to like my classes and things like that. And there's like this question of like, how do I do this? Or how do I become this? Or how do I, you know, practice more and all of these things. And honestly, it's just a being with, it's just a being with, and it's being with the fact that you like you may struggle in your practice sometimes. Some days you're like, I'm not, I'm on it, I'm not, all of that. But what does the day-to-day feel like? And how do you allow yourself to connect to that day-to-day, even if you aren't connecting to your cushion every day, but just also connecting to yourself, what it feels like to move with the shifts of that. I think being as present as you possibly can. Um, and I and for me, that I think has been what my practice has taught me. I think it's my practice along with, you know, being clear about my, my triggers and trauma, 
um, also, you know, experiencing loss in some such significant ways. Mm-hmm. We're also taking advantage and realizing that every moment that we're, we're on this planet, that we're breathing. And, and if I can figure out a way to get mostly connected to my breath, that I can actually spend it being like, being really in it. And I think for me, that was the practice of mindfulness of getting so close to this thing that I keep saying that is so precious, right? That we all say is so precious as the breath, but we barely pay attention to the fact that we're doing it. And so Mm. in getting connected to that, it helped me to just really expand in ways that I don't even, when I look back, I don't think it was really an intention, you know, it was just, you don't, yeah, it's not a plan. It's just a do. Um, And then to look up and then when someone like yourself is asking me about it, I can look back and say, whoa, I didn't even, I didn't even, I was just in it. Um, right. And I, I feel grateful for that. I think even, I can even use the example right now as I'm talking to you, like the whole time we've been talking, I've been sitting here with my eyes closed because it helps me to kind of get connected to what we're saying and just to mm. be here as if it is a practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. yeah. You know, I love that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also speaking of right now, maybe if you feel comfortably talking a little bit about what has kind of been going on with your body, um, you know, during the pandemic and, and now like what, what has, and if, if you want to talk about in terms of, you know, how your mindfulness practice has kind of either supported you or been challenging that, you know, you can do that, but I'm just Mm. curious to hear a little bit more about, um, yeah, what's been going on with your body. Mm. Wow. Thank you for this question. This is, yeah, since the pandemic, you know, um, I definitely have been holding a lot in my body and, um, initially jumping into the pandemic, I, I started like leading a lot of classes. I really jumped into action. Mm-hmm. Um, during that time, I was also having so many experiences physically that were coming up for me um, that were manifesting in like my womb area. Um, I have a, uh, I've been dealing with some chronic pain around, I have endometriosis and that over the last couple of years has just really been um, a hard one for me to deal with. And mm-hmm. it's coming with lots of doctor's appointments and surgery, surgery plans and all of this stuff that has um, helped, that has actually caused me to really look at my body in a different way. Like it's changing, it's, it's evolving in some ways and it's, and, you know, being, prepping for um, possible hysterectomy and things like that, you know, as I'm even as I, you know, we talk about these connection with the body, how initially it was all about my clothing, you know, now <laughs> I'm dealing, now I'm actually dealing kind of with the same thing, but having this, like these feelings that come up around like my actual womb area, what does this feel like? And what does this mean um, with all of these changes? And so my meditation practice has been, um, it's been actually my, my guide in this and not because I sit on my cushion every day, because honestly, it's been really fucking challenging to sit on my cushion every day. Mm-hmm. The thing that my meditation these days has been going for walks with my dog, honestly, 
But what I have noticed in this is um, that even though it's looking different, that it still hasn't left. And that's the thing I try to always remember. And I always try to teach that is that even if there are moments when we find ourselves so distracted by the things that life has, is bringing up that, that I can't sit, sit down quietly, that I can't do this, that maybe there's some other way that I could still be involved in that. And that for me has been movement. Um, and it's helped me to kind of see like where I am physically um, and to start understanding the parts like on, you know, right now I've been dealing with some, some I've been pretty good, but there was a point where, you know, last year I was dealing with like six months of flare ups where mm. I'm trying to practice, I'm trying to lead, but like I can barely get out of bed. Like, you yeah, know, that, that physical chronic pain. And I think it was that of helping me to focus on my body, focus on my food. How do I start to limit, you know, um, putting myself through more stress when I don't have to um, mm -hmm. start it manifesting in my body in all of these ways. And so um, that, yeah, so that has been my, mm. where I am now in my body. And, um, and it's a new world right now. <laughs> It all feels different. I don't know where we're going, but I think the day-to-day -day of it, of being with it, of, you know, being tender towards my body, mm. um, being more loving in ways that I don't think I have always been, um, is really teaching me a whole new practice. And I've been, I told this my partner this, but I feel like this is a new point of my meditation growth that's, that I'm experiencing right now. Yeah. As I come out of this, or if, you know, as I transition through this, um, I don't know what that's going to look like. You know? mm -hmm. And I'm not worried about it, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see where it takes me from here. Yeah. I mean, thank you for sharing that. I also have, you know, I, I had a, like a complete hysterectomy, um, maybe, I don't know, a couple, maybe six months ago. And was dealing with endometriosis for many, many years. And so I can very much wow. relate to that, uh, <laughs> the kind of learning and the, the notion of rest and learning how to be more tender in ways that you didn't even realize you weren't being tender with your body, you know, I mean, uh, chronic pain can really bring that into focus, um, in such a potent and sometimes very painful way. Um, but I, I can only imagine, I guess I'm, you know, I really can, it, it's at a moment when it felt and I don't know how you are relating to this, but kind of at the beginning of the pandemic, you said, you, you know, you like jumped into action. I think some, there are a lot of us that did, you know, and being in our own ways, right. And being of service and, and, and I guess I wonder what you're maybe learning along the way about, I don't know what, what you might need that you didn't realize that yeah. you really needed. 
Oh, I love this question. Thank you for such a thoughtful question. What I, you know, <laughs> part part that I feel like in those moments, what I needed was a balance. I think because if you were to ask me what I do it all over again, I totally would mm-hmm. because it was it felt right at the time. It felt um, well, technically, what's like basically this was two years ago. What today or something like that, right? Yeah. It was on the 13th was the first day that it was like a couple day, a day or two that everyone started staying home. It was a Saturday, which is today was Saturday. So a couple years ago that I just was like, this is where we're going to start today because I need somebody to hold space for me too. Um, mm. And in that, I, I think I could have used a little bit more balance, meaning like figuring out, you know, what I could be doing to take a little bit better care of myself. I think I was scared as well at the time. I was nervous. I was dealing with my own anxieties that mm-hmm. were coming up. I had some great support systems that were helping me through it, but I think I had all sorts of feels too. And I think in that I, I leaned into being of support, um, not just for everyone else, but for myself too. But I think a little bit more time of quiet, of introspection, um, of writing probably would have been a little more helpful mm. um, in that time. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I feel like everything else feels like it was exactly where it is because I think it led me to right here, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about what? right here is for you now like what do you what are what are the projects or the things that you are working on and and engaging in that feel yeah that feel right and good for you yeah I honestly I feel like everything feels right and good even though the moments that we're in that surrounding feels kind of chaotic like when I look at what's happening in the world and when you know, um, it all feels kind of like what what is going on. Mm-hmm. But when I look at like my everyday and the people I'm around, I feel really proud and honored and like this is good. Where you know the folks that I see and are in community that are committed to the well being of others. Um, and when I see that folks are sharing their gifts, like. Um, like what you're doing here with this podcast and being able to talk about queer bodies. Like this is, this is beautiful. Um, mm. When I really, when I think about all of this um, and so where I am right now, also like a lot of the work that I'm doing is primarily supporting people in, in, in being well with themselves every single day. And I do that with um, a couple of, uh, uh, organizations that I support and we support people who are working in the um uh, in the homelessness sector the homelessness mm. sector so I support with workshops and 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 learning cohorts around supporting people on their well-being who are doing that direct service work mm. um which is for me is huge I never thought I'd be doing that um and then I'm also like I'm leading these classes that are such um, a healing part of my weeks um, because 
I, when I prep for them, I'm often leaning into like, what am, what am I experiencing in order for me to be able to lead this? And usually um, when I'm leading classes, it's really coming from such a deep place in my heart of what I've either felt throughout the week or what I know I'm experiencing at the time. I think everything I'm just doing right now just feels very present. I'm, you know, I'm working on things with my, my partner. We're having really deep conversations and learnings about one another um, and about where our relationship is going and, you know, my family with boundaries. And so it's just so much, so much mm-hmm. has happened in such a beautiful way. And, you know, some of it feels hard and scary. Um, and then, all, and then I would say all of it feels like it's, it's right. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say it all feels right. Mm. Yeah. I, it sounds like you're doing, I mean, the idea of, I mean, all of it, but the idea of like supporting direct care providers, um, yeah. I think is just really powerful work. And I, you know, I didn't know that that's one of the things that you do. And it just, it, it just feels really touching to think about, you know, these kind of webs of support, like supporting the supporters, you know, supporting the people who support. And it, it sounds like you've had some really, you must've had some, some really good modeling um, at different points in your life for kind of understanding the importance of that, um, like the importance of kind of spreading or supporting the teachers, supporting the direct care providers support and, and you receiving your own support um, as, you know a, as a teacher. What? You know what it is though? When I think about it, yeah, I learned a lot from my mom. My mom mm. who is just like a provider. She gives, she gives, she gives, she gives, she gives. And I don't know if I necessarily learned from you know, like modeling, like how to provide to the provider. But I think because I always noticed that my mom was giving and not actually, you know, receiving, receiving. all the time in those ways that mm-hmm. I knew that I think I learned how to be a person who, how can I support the folks who are supporting so much, mm-hmm. who are doing, up, doing so much, who are showing up because I'm one of those people as well. And everybody I know is a person who gives in some way. I mean, we're in this world. And so the only way that we can continue going is if we're showing up and being of support to one another. Yeah. And honestly, that's what, that's what our meditation practice, what we practice in metta, that's what we practice in, in mindfulness at the root of it. In the Eastern tradition of the practice, the practice isn't necessarily a soul practice. We practice so that we can support everyone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And of course, yes. in the Western world, we kind of made it more of a little selfish practice, but which is, that's okay too, I think. But um, it's really at its root. It's about being of service. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I love that. It's, I mean, it really, that that essence of of something that you seem to really know and embody definitely comes through um when when you're when you're teaching and so i i but it's it's cool to hear you kind of talk about how you learned about receiving um the importance of that kind of offering and receiving which i guess also we could 
come back to, you know, <laughs> mindfulness practice and the sort of, yeah, the like kind of receiving, like just even with the breath, right? Um, exactly. So how can, you know, I love talking with you and I want people to, you know, be able to connect with you if they would like to. Um, what are the best ways for people to find find you in the world? If they're in the LA area, I, I lead a couple of classes. I was doing a lot of IG live, but, but we'll be in person again soon, hmm. um, both at um, the Underground Museum here in LA and then at Compound. Um, those are some places that I can be um, compound museum, which is in Long Beach area. Mm-hmm. I'll be doing those again um, coming up very soon. And then I'm also virtually still leading classes on open. So, so which is a mindfulness platform. Um, and I am also on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. on Instagram doing my little thing, you know, sometimes just posting the rest of with my friends, but overall, <laughs> just trying to show up as just my most authentic human self. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes there's mindfulness. Sometimes there's my favorite hip hop songs that I'm posting is just me being me. Um, and that's probably the easiest way to connect with me <laughs> and to learn about what I'm doing. I love it. Thank you for Thank being you. here. And um, yes, I encourage everyone to, to connect with Ali, when and however you can. And I appreciate you kind of just showing up for this in such a kind of open-hearted way. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for inviting me, for having me, and for just being so thoughtful with all of these wonderful questions. Thank you. No.